Okay, we're here for the Dyslexia Scotland's podcast, and today we have Stephen Naismith here with us today to talk to and take some questions from some boys and girls sending some questions in online. So Stephen's a professional football player, played for Kilmarnock, he played for Rangers, Evan, Norwich City, and now he is with Heart of Midlothian. Uh, Stephen has 51 caps for Scotland national team. Uh, so. Stephen, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's um, strange times, but uh, it's, I'm glad I can get involved and, and have a nice chat this afternoon and hopefully give some good advice and good stories to some youngsters out there. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be great. So, okay, we'll just, I think we'll just, it is strange times indeed, Stephen, but I think we'll just go straight into it with the first question. So, first one we've got here is, how did you look at, uh, oh, I'll just run it again. How did you? Who did you look up to as a kid? Uh, and that's from Adam, age thirteen. Uh, I think w- when I was a kid, starting out, I just loved football in general, um, and it was more so. My dad was right into it, so I followed as every youngster does. They follow their parents, and I followed my dad watching the football and stuff, and then. As you got older and supporting a team, I supported Rangers growing up. So I think it was more all the guys who were kind of in the nine in a row Rangers team that I followed. Brian Loudrop is the one that stood out for me. And I was the kind of kid who straight home from school, play football till dinner time and then back out when I could. Um, and then you want all the, all the strips, all the football boots that, for me, it was Brian Loudrop war. So, um, as growing up, that's who I supported and that's who I followed. And and it was just the love for playing football. And I, again, in the time I was growing up, that was the biggest thing. There wasn't as much entertainment out there for for every day in terms of computers and and social media. So, I would say at least seventy five percent of the, the the guys I went to school with all same routine straight home any homework you were to do get it done and then out and play football so it was more that Rangers team that I grew up following and, and wanting to be like Yeah I think that was a lot that's pretty same for a lot of people isn't it you wear the strip you wear the boots uh, and uh, Loudrop was a special player then so Loudrop wore an unusual boot what was the name of the Patrick. boot? Patrick that's it they were a bit higher up in the ankle They had two uh, stripes at the back right. of the boot and I, I desperately wanted them, and fortunately, I, I, I was past the stage of is football going to be a phase for me that I was right in it. Then my mum and dad went out, and thank for one of my birthdays, got me the boots, and I got the Rangers training kit, and and that was me for an hour here out the back, constantly playing football. Yeah, that's great. Okay, Adam, I hope that answered Adam's question there. Okay, so the next one we have is, uh, what is the favourite? Uh, your favourite game you've ever played in and that's from Brody. I've been asked this a few times um, and the, uh, when I sit and think about it that I, I can't specifically say one game because for instance having my debut from the national team I, uh, back in the days I was a kid my local football team would go and watch the national team and I never once went turned up watching a Scotland game thinking I'd get a chance to play for them so that's a big moment um, as I said, I came, your professional debut is a big moment, but it, probably the 
the two that stand out now is I was with Rangers and we played Kilmarnock the last day of the season and if we won we won the league and it but it was like there was one point or two points in it so it was really tight and uh, our game and the Celtic game kicked off 12 o'clock at mid-afternoon and uh, within seven minutes we were 3-0 up so it was like the perfect day to be a footballer and play for the team that you support win the league after seven minutes and then you just had the rest of the day to enjoy it and that that's one as a team and collectively that really sticks in my mind and the other one was when I, I moved on and played with Everton that I scored a hat-trick um, against Chelsea and Chelsea at that moment in time were the champions they'd won the league the season before um, and then I, uh, I was fortunate enough to get playing in the game and, and came off scoring a hat-trick and we won 3-1 so personally that was a very special moment for me as well yeah, that that's great. I, I presume you like say it is hard to pick out the games that you played so so many, Stephen. See, I don't know. Do you know how many games you've actually played all in, Stephen? Um, a lot. I'm not, I would say maybe four, five hundred. Yes, a lot of games, a lot of running. <laughs> yeah, a lot of running and a lot of a lot of games. And it's funny when you've seen clips of games over the years. Yeah. I'm pretty good at remembering, but there's some I'm like I can't even remember that game. Or you bump into somebody. Or, somebody becomes your teammate and you say, I played against you like 10 years ago and it's hard to remember. But um, no, it's, it's one of those though, when you're in the moment and at these specific times, you probably don't appreciate how big a moment they are in, in your personal career. It's not until I'm now getting on a bit as a footballer. So um, it's not now you look back and you go, wow, that was, that was special and it was a great achievement. Yeah, definitely. And the, the play against Kamarnik, that was must have been great, especially going up so quick. And like you say, it's very rare that you can actually relax and enjoy a game. But I think your confidence grows when you've got more goals. And then I actually remember seeing the game where the, the hat trick against Chelsea, that must have been unbelievable. So, yeah, thanks for sharing them with us, Steve. That's brilliant. Uh, okay, we'll move on to the next one. So this is one here from Campbell, age 10. And he says... What were your difficulties in the classroom and how did you overcome come them or come it? Uh, did, and the other part of the question is, did you dream about becoming a football player when you were my age? Uh, I think growing up and going through school, um, the two biggest things that I really suffered with was reading and obviously spelling my words. They, they, these were the things that, I constantly thought about in aspects of school. Um, and again, going back to when I was at school, you, you, you had your reading books, so you would kind of break into your different groups according to the, the level you were at in terms of reading. And I was, I, was in a, I was in the lowest group, which at that point wasn't um, anything that I really struggled with. But then as you went through the books, there was different tasks. So you would maybe read a book, and in the book, one that sticks out was the, the characters in the book were making toast, for instance. And then when you had read that book, in the classroom, the group that were reading it got to make toast. So they'd have a piece of toast. And how daft it sounds now, but they made a bit of toast, had a toast, 
but it wasn't maybe another six months, nine months till I was actually at that point. And that's where it really highlighted the difference within everybody. And, and I wouldn't say there was anybody that was really mean or made me upset about it, but it was just me being very self-conscious of, of how, how far back I was and how different the levels were. And so, so that was one thing. And, and then this, the second one that I've said many times is the spelling test, the, the ones that you do on a Friday. And again, I must say from going to visit schools and going to speak to young, young kids at school now, there is that much more awareness and that many more tools that can help. And it's, but back when I was at school, it was very early stages of that. So you never really had any set tools to help you. You had to struggle through that. And then somebody might have assessed you and understood that you, you had dyslexia. And then they would try and do some things. But there was, for instance, now, and I think that I'll, I'll probably touch on this and something else later on in the conversation, but even just the overlays and the, 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 the different colours of the text make a massive difference for me. Um, and But back at school, we never had any of that. And it was very much all as one, all do the same thing, spelling test. And pretty cruelly, it was like, who got, right, stand up. 15 out of 15 sat down and it went all the way down and again I was one of the last kids standing up which no and again I can't emphasize enough nobody was purposely being out there being mean but it was not a very nice situation to be in so struggled massively with that but then when I started secondary school there was a lot more help and getting extra time in my exams and and I didn't but you could get a scribe to help you write it and things like that and they made they made a massive difference just because you knew they were there. I would probably say when I understood that I had that help and I knew it was there to help me and I probably achieved more at school just knowing it was there than actually using it all the time. Um, and it gave my confidence a lot of, of a, a big boost, which then I started enjoying everything slightly more and much better. And Again, I just became better at doing things, and, and there was I was less uptight overall, um, and that so that was the difficulties. But then going through school, it definitely I enjoyed my later years at school because of the help I had, and and I understood everything a bit more. I think. And then, sorry, the second part of the question was: growing up, I wanted to be a footballer, but I got to my teenage years and kind of getting to my exams, and I never really knew or understood how you become a footballer but then as I was going through my kind of standard grade exams at school I uh, got a phone call to kind of be offered a full-time contract which so it all happened before I even had a chance to think about it which it all fell into place nicely. Yeah that's great Stephen yeah it's, it's, it's good hearing about that I think it's the same for a lot of people it's the same similar-ish stories at school different stages and stuff uh, it's really interesting to hear that you start to get it a little bit later on. I felt that I started to understand, and I think this is good for uh, younger kids at primary school to understand, as you, you might, it might not fall into place now, but it will come later. So it kind of yeah. happened for me about 13, 14, just coming up to my exams. I started to like say, and maybe that's with the conference as well and, and the, the, the help. Did you... Did you um, uh, become tested or any intervention, Stephen? What age was that? Did that happen for you at school then? That was round about 12, 13. 
Um, and that was more, it was probably after my first year of secondary school where the, the, the reading you done in primary was very, you kind of short sentences and, and maybe one or two sentences in a page, whereas secondary school, I, I remember it clearly. My first year, we, we read the first Harry Potter book as a class. And again, I've touched on this before about trying to read ahead because of the case the teacher asked me to read. And it was round about that time that I got tested. And then just after that, probably in my second and third years, that that's where my confidence grew a bit. Um, and again, touching on what you said there, going through primary school, I felt as if, and I remember it at nights doing my homework and stuff, I'm never, ever going to get this. I just don't understand it. And it, I would get to the point where I'd kind of be angry and be saying, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, and resist. But I would say the, the period of when it just clicks or you get you find that thing that helps you, your progression after that is rapid, which the one thing I would say to a lot of youngsters is just persist with it, keep going with it, even if you don't try it, even if it's doing four or five words, sentences, reading whatever paragraphs a night, just keep going, keep going, because when it does click, it will it will be a fast turnaround and you, you'll notice it. I noticed it. And then when I began into my twenties, one of the best things I like doing is sitting reading a book now. Um, and that's all down to just persisting along with it and then finding what works for me. And, and it's, it's such an enjoyable thing. Cause I went through primary school, hating reading. I don't like reading. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it to then buying. Love it. Yeah, yeah, that's great, Stephen. Yeah, that's really good. Interesting, actually. So, just on that, was there any subjects? I find like we're getting into the latter pit start uh, part of secondary school. I kind of liked. I was drawn to physics. Yeah, uh, I was drawn to art. I um, I really enjoyed uh, modern studies. Was there was there any standout subjects that kind of you got drawn to? Uh, well, I, done modern studies, computing. I found a good one. I think that was a bit to do with the kind of technology, and I had a, an interest. And again, that is the a big thing is interest because even when I was kind of just going into secondary school, I had an English tutor ask me any question or spelling words about football. I would manage to spell them much better than I would say any random word. And again, that's because I had an interest. I had loads of uh, the football annuals, and again subconsciously I'm maybe not taking in the or subconsciously I was taking in the, the words and the, the how to spell league how to spell the certain teams but at the moment I didn't I was just enjoying reading the magazine and reading about the players so or, or looking at the pictures should I say um, so I found uh, it was the things that did interest me in other ways rather that, that got me around it I think yeah, that, yeah, that's great. So that, the second part of that, I suppose, be dreaming of being a football player. I think a lot of people dream of being a football player. I mean, some people dream of being an accountant, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but having dreams with the football and stuff, did that help you keep your self-esteem up in any way through school, Stephen? Or? Yeah, and again, I think that I was so into it when I was younger that my enthusiasm took over everything. I might not have been brilliant. I might not have been great at some aspects of it, but it never, ever dragged me down or dropped my confidence, which helped me. And then I started to turn out to be quite good at it. Um, and I would say that was one thing going through school. Probably gave me a slight bit where people wouldn't 
been asked there that because I was good at football. I was I was kind of playing at Kilmarnock and I was I was at Rangers at the time as a kid as well. So so if you like, I was a bit of a popular kid that way. Um, but I, just being so into football definitely drove me and, and like you say, kept my spirits up. And I would say I'm naturally a kind of positive person that that always look for the positives, which has been just natural. I think just my upbringing's been that way, which has helped. Um, yeah, so that, that, that was kind of what I enjoyed most in going through school. Yeah, I think that, that's a great thing. I think, I mean, I'm slightly older by probably about 10 years. I think one thing we've missed in schools now, I think, is physical education and physical literacy. And I think that's brilliant for, for everybody, actually. I think when they're under a lot of stress, uh, to do do exercise, and I think that was a big key for me. It still is a big key for me, actually, dealing with my dyslexia, is getting some exercise uh, and dealing with the, the stresses of every day. I'm going to lead that on to the next question, actually, what I'm going to go for here is, then, for everyday stuff, is how does dyslexia affect you day-to-day, Stephen? Is it worse some days than others, and, and why? Um, so, not so much now, I think. I think... If anything, now I, I I would challenge my I challenge myself in some ways because over the years from being at school and that you get in the habit of finding shortcuts or finding ways, and this is an advantage of dyslexia. You having to spell a word, you might for some reason I might just have it ingrained in my head. I know where that word is. I'm going to quickly just go and look at it as I'm in the house or wherever, and that finding quirky ways to work it out rather than just the spelling um, but over the years now I, I've started to say right, I'm going to try and whether it's spelling a word or, or reading or whatever um, I can attest myself and I think the more you do it the more that that memory keeps staying there and uh, and I just flash back to I, I remember that that's how it's spelled not this way and so if anything I probably play a wee bit more games with it now than I did when I was younger um, but day to day, I'd say I've I've grasped the confidence and understanding that it's not a negative. That's probably the biggest thing that I'm comfortable with. So going back to when I was at school and I found out I got the extra time and you would get the, the tools to help you, and I knew they were there, which helped me then. Today, I'm very comfortable knowing that I'm dyslexic or whatever. and I'm, I use it to my advantage, and I think again, what I'll probably touch on a bit more later is in sport. It's massively helped me. Um, so day to day, I would say it's got no negative effects on me at all. Yeah, that that's great to hear. Actually, I, I think I think you're probably right. I think the more psychologically we come to terms with it, the more we speak to other people, our friends, our teachers, our parents uh, about being dyslexic, it kind of sets you free. Uh, yeah. There's, there's so many benefits of being dyslexic, Stephen. If you if you you touch on you touch on that a bit, I think for me is when I talk to my kids and other people, other kids at schools when I do training and stuff like that with them, is about we might look at here about Einstein and uh, uh, you know so Jackie Stewart and and yourself even and lots of other great you know people who have got dyslexia it's never held them back. It's hard to put yourself in that position, but the older you get, just like school when things start to click start to believe it more uh, yeah. and it is about self-belief really and never giving up definitely I think uh, some days I have bad days uh, well I'm tired 
you know, and I, mean, I say this to people as well, there's some days that, I mean, I notice I'm dyslexic every day through reading the wrong signposts, saying a word wrong to someone. But the thing is, for me, it's just to let go of it and laugh at it and relax and not be ashamed anymore. But I was years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that period you go through that you try, or I certainly did growing up, that you try to hide it and you try to be, be the same when there is never a better time to be in the world to be different. And that is in every aspect of life. Guys in, in every walk of life are coming up with new ideas, new platforms, everything. that It's not all you need to go to university and have the best grades to do anything in life. It's about what you're good at, enjoying it, and making the most of it. Um, like you said there about the tiredness, I, I would say I find things harder when I'm tired. But again, it's at that point where I know if I'm reading a book, you know, oh, I feel this is a bit of a chore. Then I just say, oh, I'll just read it tomorrow or I'll, I'll set time aside at an hour point to, to enjoy it. Um, but I think that can be viewed in everything that everybody does. Um, not so much just because I have your dislikes. Yeah, that, uh, whenever you're tired, you're going to be moody, you're going to be rush things and, 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 and you never get the best results. Yeah, definitely. That leads on well, actually, to the next question here from uh, Ewan. Uh, and Ewan says, do you think being dyslexia can make you good at sports? Again, yes, very much so. Um, as I've got older as a footballer and been more comfortable with myself as a footballer, I've I've tried to evaluate what has gave, what has given me my success, if you like, um, and I've definitely put a lot of that down to dyslexia. I think one of my biggest attributes is if you like being in the right place at the right time. And again, I I just put that down to or I grew up thinking that's normal. I don't know why I went there. I just went there because I thought that's where I should go. But that looking back, that was different to the majority of my teammates in my football team but it made me better than them because I was maybe getting a goal or I was making a tackle. So that's, as I've got older, I've kind of looked at my career and that has been one thing. For some reason, I can, I just see how things are going to play out on the pitch. And these are, this isn't like over a five-minute period. This is split second. It just happens. I just do it and it works. And that is the way I've seen it. But when you actually look into it a bit more, Again, the peripheral vision, as everybody could, is associated with dyslexia, that, that definitely plays a part for me. Um, and, again, just with how your brain works, it works differently. Makes you not just another player doing the same as everybody else. You do something different which highlights you over other people, which then gives you your... It doesn't give you your natural ability, but it maybe just plants a seed with a coach, with a manager that, I like that, which then gives you your opportunity because I think football is big for it and that it's right place, right time and a bit of luck is what you need to be successful on top of your natural ability, which I've, I, I firmly believe. Um, and I think it would be very interesting if, if there was a study done throughout sport, but maybe football in general, that I would be I think a lot of people would be surprised at how many players do have dyslexia. Um, 
just because how successful they are, their movements and how they do things. Um, it would be very interesting to do that. Yeah, definitely. We should maybe try and look up some studies and find stuff on that. I mean, um, I've heard a lot of people talking about being uh, physically literate, very physically literate sports people. Um, um, yeah, different people in judo, uh, being able to see things, what are happening, see things behind themselves. If they turn around, they can see a picture. Uh, and they look the other way and they can still see that part of the picture. I suppose seeing patterns, people talking about pattern recognition, stuff like that, Stephen would be really good in football as well. You know, uh, I, I know I remember hearing Kenny Dugleach talk about, I know he's not dyslexic, but I remember him talking about, he'd, he'd, uh, or some coach would talk to him if he was running into the corner, he'd maybe look before and run into the corner, then he could kick the ball to the place where he knew people were without looking. Uh, yeah. so do, you get, do you get things a bit like that where you can recognise things in moments, split seconds in a pitch where you have to make really quick decisions that, that yeah. helps for you? That's exactly it. And it's, it's maybe not that next pass. It's maybe two passes. It's maybe when you're breaking forward and I just, for whatever reason, know, right, he's going to play it there, it's going to go there. If I go here, I'm getting a great chance or I'm going to be in a good position. And the percentage of me doing that right and wrong in a game is very high. I've kind of looked at it over the years and that's very high. And that is going back to the, seeing the patterns happen and seeing seeing the the quickest and best time to be in that position um, and then just doing it. So if, I, if my mind's thinking like that, one or two seconds before my opponent, I'm going to have the edge over them. And that's definitely what's happened quite a lot in my career in terms of chances I've had and, and goals that I've scored. Yeah, that, that's great. That's really interesting. Yeah, we should keep looking at that. So uh, in, in days to come in the future then, with these patterns and, and watching, I'm sure you'll be a good coach. Uh, is that anything you'd maybe think of way in the future? Or I wonder if the dyslexic mind lends itself to coaching. Uh, it's definitely something I've thought about. I think, uh, again, as I, as I was very young, I took an interest in it and noted down every manager I've had, things they've done, things that I like, things that I don't like if I was a coach. And... As I've, again, as I've got older, I've constantly, constantly done that, which definitely makes me think I, I want to go into that. Um, I think it'll be something that I do do when I finish playing. I want to play as long as I can, but then for me, I'd like to go into the coaching management side because there's a lot of it that interests me, and and um, I would like to see how well I could do at it. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I think a lot of dyslexics. I like that as well. I think when you get older again, is and one ways your uh, mechanisms to compensate for what you're doing is, especially what I do is a feedback loop. So I look at what I've done, uh, look at lessons learned. How can you review it? How can you make it better? I suppose in sport, that's like fine-tuned, Stephen. You've got like sports scientists and uh, analysis looking at stuff. So that's really, really yeah. interesting. Okay, so move, moving on then. So uh, it says, hi, Stephen. What was it like to score a goal for Scotland at Hamden, and that's from Rue. Uh, it was uh, one of the best moments in my career. I think it's, like I said earlier, I, I never ever thought I'd play for Scotland, if I'm honest. Um, at no point when I went to watch or when I was growing up did I think, I'm going to play for Scotland. And then you get the chance to, and you do. my first call-up was a few players kind of went out injured so that I had a late call up which was great and uh, 
I, I managed to make my debut on that trip and then you kind of build your way into the squad and you start playing and fortunately for me my first goal was against Spain at Hamden and that was the to this day they are arguably the best country ever the way they played and the players they had were tremendous um, unfortunately that night we got beat 3-2 but we were 2-0 down we brought it back to 2-2 and it the ironic thing is that we get beat by them just booting the ball long. They, they played this great football and it was so draining mentally and physically when you're playing against them. But in the 89th minute or whatever, they just booted the ball long and the guy ran on and scored, which was quite ironic. But it was definitely something in my career that I enjoy. I can honestly say I enjoyed every minute from the very first time I met up with a Scotland squad till even present day where... I'm probably in the last chance. With all this stuff happening at the moment, the Euros has been put back a year, which wasn't ideal for myself. I would have liked to have it been this year, but to have a chance of maybe being there. So it's it's one thing I'd like to end my career by doing, getting to championships with, with Scotland. That would be a pinnacle, I think. Yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. We'll all wish the best of luck and hope we see that, definitely. Yeah, I suppose you talked about that as well there. So, you know, making the jump from uh, domestic football into international, um, what, what do you have to do for yourself as well, playing that many games and making the international jump? How does it feel and how does it, your focus have to be to, to do that? It's hard. I think, again, the, the drive, uh, and again, at the time, I didn't think this, but I've set goals, subconsciously, I've set goals at every stage I've been at. When you, when you go in full-time for the first time, it's... It's going from being a boys' club to being a kid, to being thrown into a, a man's world where training every day, it's hard. And if you're not going to take the place, somebody else is going to come along and take it off you. That's, that's, that was the, the background and the environment that you were in. And I was just driven. I, I never, ever felt I'm the best. But at points, I've always remembered, like, I went in full time and then one of the boys that were at the end of the under-18s played in the first team. So he got a new contract and he, he got a pay rise and I was just like, I want that, I want that. And I was only in the door for six months. So I just worked really hard and, and I, within a year I had got to that point. And then at the time at Kilmarnock, Chris Boyd was a player who played every week, could do what he wanted all week and you knew he was going to play on a Saturday. And I was like, I want that, I want to be that guy. So again, just worked really hard and started playing well, enjoying it, scoring, and and then you get to that point. But when I was at the point, I never felt as if I'm going to play every week. So it's a kind of it's a weird situation. I feel as if I've done that throughout my whole career. But as you step up the levels, the gap gets bigger. Like when I moved from Kilmarnock to Rangers, who Rangers were fighting for trophies, full of international players, the tempo and the speed of everything was much quicker. And then I went down to Everton, and again, the level had jumped again. And the environment is sink or swim. Like I said, it's an environment where you're a team, but within that team, it's competitive because you've got two or three players for every position, and you've got to work your hardest. And I, I think I always appreciated the position I was in, that I would turn this into a career when it was a hobby. I, I, I had a paper running. I used to go out for an hour just kicking a ball all the way around, delivering the papers, and then, like, three years later, I was full-time and it was a career and I was making a living out of it. So that's what drove me. Um, and, and having that determination to fight 
till the very end is is bigger than any kind of natural ability I've ever had. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing to hear that actually. Yeah, it's, it's the constant striving, the constant focus and self-belief. Uh, I presume, you know, as we all have hard knocks and hard times when we're young being dyslexic, people talk about resilience, Stephen, so that must have stand you instead all the way through your it build, career. It definitely builds you up. And again, that does go back to school. And it's a bit of I'm going to prove you wrong. And it's not... It's not about just, I'm going to prove you. If it, like, your mind might work differently, but the end result can always be better than anybody else's. Um, and that's, again, what I just thought all the time. I'm going to be the best at this. I'm going to be the best at this, no matter what way I'm doing it. I might, like you said, I do things some ways, and over time I'd realise it's not an efficient way of doing it. And in my head, I'm going, I'm going to do it this way because it's different and it works quicker and it gets the same result. And again, that helped me because I was more efficient as a footballer. And again, it just keeps growing and growing. But again, on the backdrop of that, I was doing something that I really liked. And I was learning and I was constantly learning and I loved it. Yeah, that's great. That's what I say to my kids and other, other young people learning stuff is definitely, and we hear this of, of loads of people who, who go really high up in their careers is, and things they love is do what you love, do what you enjoy. Because you put 100% into it. It's definitely the way forward. Yeah, that's great, Stephen. Okay, we've got another one here from Sam. Um, Sam's age 10, and his mum sent this one in, I think, for him. He says, in brackets, big hearts fan, in brackets. So would you like to ask Stephen how he learned to write his letters the correct way around? I suppose that's the thing that bugs us all a lot at the beginning. I mean, I still do it, you know, so... How did you learn about your, your letters? And even do you do that, Stephen? I did do it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that helped me was the, the colour of the, the, the wording and the overlays. That was massive for me. Um, I remember actually doing a promotional thing even when I was maybe mid-20s and it was, it was just the, the board was just a sentence, but all the letters were jumbled up. And I remember looking at it and I just thought it was normal. I, I couldn't see what it was highlighting, but all the letters were back to front. And, and that, at, at that time in my career, I was taking a wee bit back thinking it was a bit of a reminder. Um, but even to this day, whenever I'm reading in that, I try and get books with the font and the thing because it makes things so much easier for me. Um, but if I do ever, if I'm ever writing something, I do ever make that mistake. Again, I just try and have that wee bit of memory to go, oh, that's it. And it's not so much recognising the words wrong. It's maybe I could be in a certain place. I could be in the car or I could be somewhere. And that's the memory that I remember. Oh, that's the wrong way around. I'll do it this way because that, if that makes sense. Um, so it's just wee things like that. But even today, I still make that mistake sometimes. Yeah, yeah, me too. Definitely do it. Um, B's and D's and, and e, even E's and stuff like that now and again. And yeah, yeah it, it happens to us all, Stephen. I, I just kind of let it go. I suppose you've got to let it go, but definitely learn it, practice it. I hear people saying, like, uh, do stuff in sand, uh, look at 3D letters and stuff like that and spin them around. That, that kind of helps kids in school. Does any kind of technology you use, you use, Stephen, with your emails or anything you do day to day on your phone? Um, I, I, just again, phones and that nowadays with the autocorrect, um, is, but I would say, again, I probably go through phases of a certain word 
that I use more and more in texts and emails or whatever. And I do just from it always being wrong. Eventually I get to that point where I, I kind of think, is it this way or that way? And I'll get to the right answers over a period of time. But again, it's all these, it always just gives me a wee reflection back to school about how it just clicks. And that is very hard to describe or let people know that it does just happen when you find the right tools. It's not as if you do X, Y, and Z and that's you. It's just, it just happens. It might take you a year, it might take you two or three or six months over a period or something, but it just works. Um, and that's what I tend to find. It always gives me a wee flicker back to school and remembering there, I've, I've accomplished it, if you like. Yeah, that, that's great. That leads me nicely into uh, Shay, age 10. Stephen's asking, I know we've touched a bit on school, but I, th- I suppose this is a general thing, is what was it like at school for you? Yeah, the f- primary was, I would say primary was tougher and my first year of secondary was at the point. I think first year of secondary, you're self-conscious and you're aware, you're changing from being a, a kid to having a bit more responsibility to being more aware of what's around you and and the trends and the being cool and the not. So that's probably where I, f- thinking back, was the toughest point for me. Um, I, again, what I said earlier, I was good at football, which I had on my, my side, but also had a couple of older siblings. I had two sisters that were at school who were slightly older. So I knew all their mates and their, the, fr- the boys that they were hanging about with at school, which, again makes your social circle slightly cooler, if you like. So these daft things, but again, I would say that we are in a much better place than back then. I think it's it's just, I see it with my kids at school, and it's nothing to do with dyslexia, but it's, kids are always competing, whether it's I run faster than you, or I've got one of them too. And it's just about being comfortable enough to saying, you don't always need to be first, but at the end, if your goal is this and you get there, that's mission complete. And that is it. It's not, you're not competing. Going through school, you compete with your friends all the time. But then when you get in your 20s, you're never competing with your friends. It's just about you being successful in whatever you want to do. And that's what I always think. Just as long as you accomplish it, whether it's a jigsaw or whether it's a career, just do work as hard as you can and you'll get there. Yeah, def- definitely. I used to do a, p- a picture a day. Uh, I'm still quite into that. You know, complete something that you like and people like, you know, and it makes you feel good. Uh, and the other thing I keep saying to people, it's a classic, it must be a dis- I feel like it's a dyslexic story, is the, the tortoise and the hare. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not about how long it takes to do a picture. Someone says it's beautiful. Or, or it's just creating that. It's not the time. It's, it's what you do or how you come out the other side, eh? Yeah, brilliant. Uh-huh. All right, so the next one here we have is what, uh, what's your favourite goal you've scored for Hearts? And that's from Jonathan. Um, I think it's hard. It is hard, but I think, well, yeah. last season we played uh, the derby, last derby at Tynecastle. We won 2-1 and I scored the, it was 1-0 to us, then one each to, in the game. And then in the second half I scored a header to put us 2-1 and we ended up winning the game. So that was a... That was a nice goal. It was a derby goal, and um, that, and I've also I, I scored a hat trick for Hearts last season as well, which was nice as well. So they're the ones that probably stand out in, in, in the Hearts front. Yeah, I can imagine 
Definitely. A, a, some, some maybe not the most spectacular goal sometimes, but the sweetest one's the one that wins the game, Stephen, I suppose, yeah, sometimes. Exactly. It is. So there's one goal that I scored actually funny enough against Hearts. And the only reason I love it is because it was at the start of a season, both Rangers and Celtic had played seven games, won seven, and it was the 95th minute. And it was, I think it was one each at the end of the time. And I picked the ball up from halfway line and the game just went on and on. And I've managed to get onto the ball on the edge of the box and scored. But just because it was in the 95th minute, kept a 100% record up, um, that that made it that bit special. Um, so these, it does, like you say, it doesn't need to be the best or the most spectacular, but there's some goals out there that just mean a bit more just for circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And you touched on the Spain goal, that goal you scored against Spain was like a death touch. You just didn't win. But a special, special goal. But total different feelings, different times, Stephen. Yeah, it is. It is that, and um, it's it, it's a very strange thing to have that first goal for Scotland. Play so well, but then you come away with a defeat. And I, I must say, I'm a pretty bad loser. Um, so I've always got that kind of sulk on me if I, if we don't win. And uh, again, something that I've just over the years I learned, or just it's just in me is. Loads of people say, who's the best player you've came up against and made it hard for you? But I always come off the pitch and if it could be the best player in the world and if he said a better game than me and he was up against me, I would come off thinking, I've not done enough. I've not been better than him. It's not He's not stopped me. I've just not been as good as I should have been. I've always seen it that way rather than, okay, hands up, he's better than me. and that. So uh, that kind of fighting determination has just probably been one of my higher qualities that I've had in football. Yeah, definitely, Stephen. I think that's probably what takes you from your boys' club to your school to professional is constantly raising the bar. I suppose that, that, that's what it's all about, eh? Yeah, it is. And it's, it's about having that drive. But again, that... I say to loads of people, it's whatever they do. It's probably more so my kids nowadays. I'm saying to them that my youngest is at the stage where if she's playing a game and she's not winning, she'll throw her toys at the pram or she'll be like, I'm not playing. And I'm like, no, 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 keep playing. Keep playing, you never know. And just try to keep that determination in there. It's, it's so powerful um, and in so many ways, whether it's sport, reading, exams, driving, whatever you're doing, it's so the, the determination is what's going to get you the success. Yeah, definitely, definitely, 100% agree with that. Yeah. All right, so we've got a last question here, Stephen, is uh, what's your favourite stadium you've played at uh, over the years and why? Uh, probably the best was in Barcelona's new camp, um, just for the size of it, the the arena that we played them in the Champions League. It was my actually Champions League debut, which... I went within a month of, I think we played breaking away in the cup for Kilmarnock and then a month later I was signed with Rangers playing New Barcelona in the new camp so it was a bit of a whirlwind month. Um, so that sticks alone just for the actual size, scale and wow factor. Um, in Scotland, Ibrooks was great again because it was really big but a stadium that's very, you'll hear loads of players say is amazing is Tynecastle. And it's all, it's only been enhanced by the new stand being built. Um, but the stands are so steep that it feels as if the players are on top of you. And even when I was playing against that, I used to love that as a stadium. So that's another one that I, I definitely enjoy playing at. 
Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I hear that a lot, a lot from players is talking about the atmosphere and, you know, um, and I, I mean, I played and I, I suppose a lot of boys and girls probably played and, 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 and maybe not realised the jump to playing in front of a crowd is, is massive than playing on a normal pitch and then the pressure of playing with a crowd there. How do you adapt with playing in these stadiums, Stephen, when suddenly you've been playing, you know, with like maybe a couple, 20 people watching around the pitch for schools and then playing in front of your, your, your big stadiums? What kind of mindset do you have to have for that? I think when you're young and you come through, you, you've got that sense of no fear. So you don't actually register it. You're so focused. And I think, again, when the game starts, you're so focused on doing your best and want to win and do whatever you're doing in a game that you, it's kind of strange. You don't understand that the crowd's there. It's not until maybe there's an injury or the ball's at a park, you kind of look about and you're like, all oh, right, aye, there's 60,000, 80,000 here watching it today. Um, but then I've had a couple of bad knee injuries. So it's coming back from them. And when you're not that confident and you are, you're not at your most confident, you're not playing well, is much more you're much more aware of everything around about you and it's again that's in my career that's been the biggest two biggest challenges was coming back from my knee injuries that getting over that oh no I don't know if I'm good enough anymore to being working hard and then you do something that's good and then that confidence builds and then you do something better and better and better and then before you know it you're back on that trajectory that you you want to be on yeah, yeah, that, that's amazing. Yeah, actually talking about injuries, I think that must be a thing as well where it takes a lot to pull yourself up every day and get back into it and stuff like that. I mean, just think in any way being dyslexic and you know, we always go back to what this stuff you learned when you were young, but does any of that help? Yeah, again, it, it was the I'm not going to be beaten. I'm going to get this done and I'm going to get back. That That is what it was and on on top of that, it was such a cutthroat world football and like I touched on that you you either do it, fight and work hard and get to the end and, and be successful or you feel sorry for yourself. And that that's the part that I try and push everybody away from. Don't feel sorry for yourself because you're the only one that loses out. You, you don't achieve anything. and people move on from that. They don't, they're not as interested, whereas no matter how long it takes, as long as you fight and you get to the end, you've achieved it. And that was, especially my second injury, because it was the exact same injury. It was, and I was out for nine months each. And to think I've got nine months to go through this, you have a bit of time where you're very low and you're down and you just can't see the, the end point. But then you get to that, past that and you, you you find a love for whatever it is for in my case was football and that's what was the thing that said right I'm going to give this a right good shot to get back and and it all if you want it enough it always happens yeah definitely definitely I suppose with me doing video and stuff like that is with kids coming through and any kind of career that you love you need to keep going it won't just happen overnight you just you need to keep take your breaks when they come work hard and just keep going. It's a bit of resilience. Stephen, that is amazing. Thank you very much for talking to us today uh, and answering them questions. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Um, all the best with the football when it, when it comes back out again. Um, 
I suppose one other thing, actually, just on the end, I'll, I'll cut this in, guys, is we're gonna I was going to talk about what, what's happening in your day-to-day, the now, Stephen, how do you stay in touch with your team and how do you keep your fitness up? Is there anything you're doing what would be good for the boys and girls to listen to about you know, your training routine or stuff like that? Fortunately, I've got a gym in the house, so I've managed, I still work as a normal week, so I'm still doing as much training as I can. You lose the football aspect of it and and you're kicking the ball and passing and your your possession side of things, but in terms of general fitness, you need, for me, I've had to try and keep that up um, just because you don't know when you're going to go back, when it's going to start back training and things like that, and you don't want to be out of shape. So I've been doing that, but it definitely has taken its toll in terms of adapting to the situation just even seeing friends and family that's that's been tough the days some days feel really long and what i found again is when you're just having one of those days you just drop what you're doing and just try and get into a, a positive kind of mind frame whether that's if you want to just watch watch movies all day or whatever just relax get because you're only productive when you're in a good place and you're enjoying things so I found that has been challenging uh, the family have been trying to go out at least a, a walk for an hour a day and and um, enjoying what we've been fortunate the good one positive has been the weather has been very good so um, we've enjoyed a lot of time outside but hopefully we get back to some sort of normality sooner rather than later that's the hope for us all I think that's great yeah really appreciate you speaking to us today Stephen that, that's amazing thank you very much no problem at all not at all anytime